Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Jankowskis is going in on the goalkeeper. Pepkowski wanted all day. Jankowskis wraps it up for Hearts. Hello, welcome to Shirts Around the Funnel, the offspring of the popular Hearts podcast, Scarves Around the Funnel. Brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Here on Shirts Around the Funnel, we focus on hearts kits in the season or seasons which we feature them. This is episode four. I'm Paul Mitchell, sports commentator and someone who loves the world of football kits. Somebody who loves them even more because he's written a book about them is author Grant Young, author of 51 Shirts, which has been, Grant, a terrific success, I'm glad to say. It has, Paul. Yep, it's... Um... It's flying off the proverbial shelves. Excellent. And we had a rather good launch evening at Tyne Castle as well. Good to have you back. Each episode features a guest, a welcome voice connected to hearts in some way. So we welcome from Scars around the funnel. It's the man himself, Laurie Dunsard. Laurie, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I was just going to ask, uh, Grant, is it not flying off physical shelves as well? Or is that not a, is that not a thing these days? Yeah, no, they are. They're, they're physically available as well, Laurie. You're, you're absolutely right. In the club store and uh, all um, good bookstores. A good prompt there. I got a good prompt for you to push it even more. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Excellent. Now, we do have an extra special guest on our podcast today. We welcome Amaran, who wore maroon. Well, I say he wore maroon. He probably wore most colours bar maroon for his former club. Let's welcome and former Hearts goalkeeper and congratulations on the new gig at Motherwell, the goalkeeping coach, Neil Alexander. Neil, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on. Looking forward to this. Absolute pleasure. Let's talk quickly about your new role at Motherwell. How good is it to be back in the game? Yeah, it's great to be back. Obviously, I was out of the game for about just over a year. Um, so... Itching to get back in, get out of the house. Uh, the the wife was desperate for to get out of the house to get a bit of peace and quiet. So it's nice to get back into routine again, but a bit, bit of structure about my life again. And, you know, doubly great to get the gloves back on, the boots, and get back out in the training pitch and, you know, and work the goalkeepers. So that, that's what I love doing. It's what I've done for the last like, 26 years. So um, I'm absolutely delighted to get back. And, and just before we start talking about your time at Hearts, can I ask you one thing? How quickly do you know when you look at a young goalkeeper, for example, how quickly do you know whether they've got what it takes to, to go to the top of the game? How quickly do you size someone up? 10, 15 minutes. When I'm, when I'm on the training ground or I'm watching them in a game, you can just see, you're, you're looking for a natural ability, a natural eye to catch the ball, a natural movement around the goal. 
and just something that just stands out in a in a play and just see, yeah, this this goalkeeper's got a chance of making it. A lot nowadays, especially, depends on the height. You know, a lot of especially clubs down south and abroad are looking. They won't even consider a goalkeeper who's under six foot three. You know, so they're looking for your big, your big commanding goalkeepers. Where, you know, we've been very fortunate in Scotland. Obviously, we've got Craig Gordon, David Marshall's a good size. Um, but down south, you know, virtually every Premiership goalkeeper is over six foot three. So um, that that'll dictate a lot. We don't have a lot in Scotland. We seem to um, grow them small here, but we, we try and look at their technical ability. And uh, we've got a few good ones. And I've been very surprised at Motherwell. We've got a good group of goalkeepers. So, you know, pleasantly surprised to come into to a good working a working group, which I can hopefully improve on. Did you ever have any questions about your height, Neil? Because we had Jamie McDonald on, and you're not you're not short. As a in yeah. the general sense of things, but as a goalkeeper, are you just six to six one, maybe six one. I mean, everyone else questioned my height. I was, listen, I was fairly small for a goalkeeper. I, I got away with it because I was had a fantastic spring, and I was quick about the goal. I was sharp off my line, and and I made up for lack of inches in other ways. So I had to be, and I was very fortunate to have the career I had because I think if I'd been playing the game now, I would have struggled. Because I say that the game's a lot more physical nowadays. I say everyone's six foot over six foot three, and you know I was lucky. I played in a period where as long as you were good enough, you were tall enough. And as I say, I had other attributes that made up from the lack of height I had. Jamie McDonald, I think, said that Craig Levine told him he was just too short. <laughs> and he yeah, had uh, yeah. Craig Gordon. Yeah. He had Craig Gordon, who just been, I think, the the other younger keeper, just ahead of him. So he said he was he was always looking up, thinking, "I'm never going to make it with him around." Yeah, to be fair, Craig's not the only one. There's a lot of managers out there who, if you are under six foot, they won't look twice at you, and they won't even consider signing you. So, and we all we always look at the parents, the grandparents, to see if the the kid's going to hopefully. Um, develop quite late you know have they got a few inches still to go later on in their development but um yeah it's difficult it's difficult because all, all the good ones are snapped up as well you know you usually your Celtic your Rangers all your big clubs have got the all the tall ones already but um you've just got to make do with what you've got and as I say we've got some good ones um at Motherwell thankfully Excellent. Grant, talk us through a little bit about the goalkeeping jerseys uh, that Neil would have been given the choice of back in uh, 2014 to 2016 when he played played with Hearts. Well, the, the, especially 2014 is probably my, my favourite, I think, from an Adidas uh, perspective. Uh, and Neil, Neil will remember them well, and we, we've had a chat about this before. So I think there was, so there was two yellow versions, wasn't there? There was, well, two yellow, one with a Foundation of Hearts badge and, and one without it. So, they, they, you know, that, that was when the black panel in there, which is pretty classic yellow and black goalkeepers, I think. All the traditionalists like that. And then we then we get the other two, which are probably not quite as traditional as uh, some people would have liked. Uh, the all-white one, Neil, which uh, I, I think is just is my favourite. I just love it. And I know that you had the combo of the, the black shorts sometimes or the white shorts. When it was all white, it, it looked great. And, and, and I'm sure you'll mention this, but you always seem to manage to get the old matching... Uh, orange and uh, white boots as well, which looked very, very smart. And I think even I think even had the combo of the matching gloves as well. I think, which just looked looked, looked amazing. I think. And then there was the then there was a one-off, wasn't there? The 
the pink and grey number that was only worn once at East Fife. And that had the that had the black shorts, I think, and it had the the, the Foundation of Hearts, the, the large Foundation of Hearts logo. So 2014, I think you had four combos of uh, goalkeeping kits you, you could have worn, and I think you wore them all. Yeah, I, I loved them all, to be fair. Um, obviously, the, the white one stands out. That is my favourite goalkeeper kit of all time that I ever wore. Uh, first of all, I love Adidas kits. I think they're very smart. The white was very crisp, uh, clean. The kit man hated it, hated it, getting dirty. <laughs> I used to like the combo of the white shorts as well. Um, obviously, I had the gloves and boots to match, so I thought I, I looked very smart in that. That Again, I like white. I've always liked a white goalie top. Um, the pink one... I think was only worn once and I really liked that. But the reason I never wore it more is because it never had a match in shorts and socks. It was just the top. Right. And uh, we wore that against East Fife in a pre-season friendly. I can't even remember what um, shorts and socks I wore, probably black and in white socks, because it was very smart. Um, and the yellow one I loved as well. They, they had it the season before. I think Jamie McDonald wore it. He wore it, he wore it a lot with, Yellow shorts and yellow socks, and I didn't like that. I like the right. the black shorts and black socks just to mix it up a wee bit. It was too and much. Did, did you get there. Did you get a choice in that, Neil? Did Did the kit man let you choose? You know whether it was black shorts, white shorts. Obviously, depending on on the opposition. But you, if you had a preference, would you say I'd prefer to wear that? And is that okay? Yeah. To be fair, Gogsy the kit man was amazing. Basically, I could mix and match whatever I wanted to do. So really enjoyed that. That's sort of part of it where we would lay kits on the, the kit room floor and mix and match the socks. If it was a white, I could go black shorts and black socks, or I could go all white, or I could go black shorts and the white socks. So it gave me the freedom to whatever team we were playing at the weekend. Maybe on the Thursday, we would chat about it, what they were wearing, what colours and what could I wear. And I love I love all that. I love all that. Um, as I said, 2014 to 15, I had three really, really nice goalie kits. So quite happy to wear any of them. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then of course, we, we changed to Puma, didn't we, the next season? I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I think the Puma, the, the Puma shirts were, were, were okay. But that, that's, I would, that's where I would go with that. I think they were, they, they were fine, but probably not my favourite. I don't know about you. Yeah, nah, I, I didn't like them. I didn't like them as much. Obviously, they were quite boring. Obviously, I had the two colours, the yellow and the light blue. No, I, I didn't feel as nice. And um, Puma, obviously, Adidas and Nike are the two ones that are the best. I mean, Puma was okay, but no, nah, I wasn't wasn't overly thrilled. No, I don't even know which so one key. I wore the most. I think I wore the blue one more than the yellow one as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And, of course, you had the, the, the matching shorts as well, didn't you? So if you wore turquoise blue, it'd be the blue yeah. shorts and, and, and the yellow, it's, it's yellow shorts as well, isn't it? Yeah, it was a matching set. It was it all right. shorts and socks all, all went together. Yeah, so fairly standard. Difficult to get any matching boots and gloves for them colours. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, over the course of your career, I mean, obviously, you know, Stenishmuir, Livingston, Cardiff City, Rangers, you know, do you keep, have you got, a stack of old goalkeepers' jerseys? Do you just have one or two? I mean, I know every player's different, Neil, in, in terms of, you know, mementos or what, the, what they carry with them. Yeah, I've got loads. I've got. I've kept probably one of every jersey I've ever worn. I had that many that were all up the loft and hold dolls and my wife made me chuck a lot of them out because they were just taking up space. And... Uh, <laughs> um, 
But I had so many, especially at Rangers. We were in, obviously, Champions League, the League Cup, the League, and I'd have maybe four jerseys for every, you know, four different colours. And it was every competition I kept one. So I just kept maybe one of every every colour. But yeah, I've got a good I've got a couple of the white hearts ones and I've got one of the yellow one, one of the blue one from the the Puma. Uh, I've got two of the pink ones, which are nice. Um and a couple of the yellow ones. The Adidas ones are so nice that I kept them. Um but yeah, every every jersey I wore, I've got one. I've kept one. I swapped a lot. I was very fortunate enough that um I've got a lot of nice ones that I've swapped. Um, from my time at Rangers, from my time at Crystal Palace, Hearts. Um, so I've got a decent collection, so I'm pretty proud of it. So so on that collection of, of jerseys that you've swapped, what, what's your most treasured in terms of colour or design or player? I've got, well, to be fair, I never swapped this, but I've got a Ica Casillas Real Madrid goalie top signed to Neil Best Wishes. And Nacho Novo got me that when he played for Sporting Hijo. They were playing Real Madrid at the the Bernabeu and he went into the dressing room and, and asked if he could get it and it's been cut at the sleeves it's been cut at the bottom it's worn it's got grass stains and I'm, I'm a huge fan of his um, so I got his I've got a Joe Hart Manchester City one um, you'll be getting rid I've of got, that now eh? yeah I've got a Gregory Coupe PSG one when we played them at the Emirates tournament uh, down in London for pre-season I've got Peter Cech's Chelsea one Pepperino's Liverpool one. Um, oh, who else? Uh, Nigel Martin Leeds one. Paul Robinson Spurs one. Um, Hugo Lloris Tottenham one. So I've got, listen, I've done pretty well. I've got a good selection. I've got loads more, but um, they're the ones off the top of my head that I'm a good one. Neil, if if you wanted to go back, say say you say you were transported back in time and you were you were now playing for Hearts in the seventies or the eighties or nineties. What what kit would you have loved to have been able to wear? wear? You know, goalkeeping kit is the one that stands out that a previous Hearts keeper would have would have uh, worn. I, I don't know if I would want to wear it, but I remember Henry Smith. I loved Henry Smith growing up, and I had one of his tops. It was black with a luminous yellow, like wavy, wavy lines, and that stood out to me. He had a few. He had, Henry had a few colourful ones, but that was I think I had Strongbow sponsor. I can't you remember what year it would have been? Absolutely. I was going to ask you about that actually because Henry's been on our main podcast. We've had, we do like a goalkeeper actually. We've had Craig on, we've had Jamie McDonald on. Henry came on as well and Henry loved a crazy yeah. top. That, that loved stood him. out for me. I, had, I bought that and I used to dive around the garden and things like that in that top. Um, that one stands out off the top of my head. Um, he had a few crazy ones. Did, did you like? Indeed, yeah. Did you like that? Were you more of a, if you had your preference, would you like more of a plain shirt or would you quite be quite fond of the crazy which no, they tended to be like, a 90s thing didn't they a lot of the crazy uh, play, ones i like the plane um as i say I like the white one with the the bit of orange and the, the black stripes with adidas um it just looked classy it looked very smart so i'm more that than too much in your face yeah you're obviously listening to the scars around the funnel shirts around the funnel podcast we will be putting pictures of these up on our twitter account just to let you see some of the stuff that, that we're talking about and yeah I, I, I'm with you Neil I actually had that yellow and black jersey as well <laughs> um, so, and, I've, and I've still got it and okay. uh, and when I do occasionally play fives and go between the sticks that's the first jersey that goes on we're, so I knew you were a good wicket keeper Paul were you, were you a decent goalkeeper were you 
Well, you know what? I, I, I used to say, and, and I got a chance to sit down and interview Henry Smith on one of my early sports sound gigs. And I said, you know, Henry, I, I play a little bit in goals in five-a-sides. I made a good chat about it. He says, what made you play, want to play in goals? I said, well, in five-a-sides, I can reach the crossbar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's absolutely true. I loved playing in goals, uh, certainly at fives. Did it a couple of times at 11s, but if, if you think a six-foot goalkeeper's not going to make it, a five-foot-six one's not going to make it. But that actually allows me to come on to my next question for Neil. My line when I used to play fives to my defence, Neil, it was... It's not an audience I want, it's a defence, um, you know, trying to get them to actually do what they were supposed to do. What, what, were you, what are you like or what were you like in terms of verbal? Were, were you one of these goalkeepers that talked a lot or were you more quiet and when you spoke, people listened? What was your style? I was, I was very vocal, to be fair, but when I started off my career playing professional when I was about 17, 18, 19, 20, I was probably quite quiet, finding my way. But um, I quickly realised that if I wanted to be good at the position, I had to be loud. One of my heroes was Peter Schmeichel. And you saw him screaming at his back four in the, the bust-ups. He would have a Pallister and Bruce, and it would be very emotional, very loud. And I just felt that, that that was kind of who I looked up to, and that's who I wanted to emulate. So I just knew if I wanted to be a goalkeeper and play at a high level, that I had to get rid of the shyness, come out my shell, and... Um, really scream and organise. Because at the end of the day, it does make your life easier. If you organise the back four and midfield in front of you, and if they do their job, the ball shouldn't come to you. So all that screaming and organising actually helps. And it, and it makes you have a quieter game and hopefully get a clean sheet. So kind of figured that out early on and was lucky enough that um, I was so determined to be a, a professional goalkeeper at the top level that I, I just wanted to do whatever it took to get there. And, you know, I, I was very loud in the dress. I was uh, quite loud in the dressing room. Always encouraging. Never, never slaughtered people. Always encouraged. Tried to get the best out of people. Um, vocal at half time. Vocal at the end of the game. Just tried to help the young boys, especially when when I first went to Hearts in 2014. I was the oldest by a country mile. We had a very, very young dressing room, and um, you know, I think that was one of the, re the reasons Robbie had wanted me in to help and guide a lot of them. Um, you know, I, I was obviously still part of the coaching staff, so I was the kind of go-between between, between the, the manager and the players. Um, so almost a captain, although I wasn't, the, I didn't have the armband on, but the, the manager looked at me as though a captain. So um, he, if he wanted a message to get across to the dressing room, I would be the one to sit down, have a meeting with them and chat to them and speak to individuals. And if they had a problem, they would come to me and I would go to the manager. So it was a bit of a go-between. And I liked that responsibility. I really did. Um, and I felt comfortable in that environment, helping the young boys. Um, so that, that that really gave me the, the encouragement to to use my knowledge and what I'd done in my career to help the others. And, and I've continued to do that, obviously, my whole career, really. Yeah, I mean, you were an experienced goalkeeper by that point. I'm, I'm and I mean that as a real compliment. You I mean you played over six hundred senior games, etc. So by the time you came to Hearts, you already had that presence, you know. And people would have known because players always look to see what other players who are coming into a club have done. And you know, basically, given what you'd done, I don't think there was going to be much of a struggle to settle in over two hundred for Cardiff, playing for Ipswich Rangers. You know, time at Palace before you came to Hearts. Obviously, Hearts were were a championship side, 
at that point? I mean, when you came in, what was the mindset like? Was it, we've got to get straight back up? Yeah, yeah, that, that was made very clear to me by, uh, obviously, Craig Levine and, and Robbie. Um, the, the club had no option, they had to go up first time. And it was, listen, don't get me wrong, it was a tough, tough league. We had Rangers and Hibs in there as well, but they had so much belief in the group of players and the group of young players that they had coming through. And they just needed one or two experienced players just to help them along. And um, obviously the manager felt that I was experienced. Obviously, coming from Rangers, what I'd done at Rangers, the, the players automatically, gain the, they've got that massive respect for you. They look up to you. Um, you know, a lot of them are obviously Scottish-based players, so they, they knew me already. I'd, okay, I'd been down in England for a, a bit of time, but what I'd done at Rangers was really my reputation, that when I walked in the door, everyone looked up to me. And um, yeah, as I said, I like that responsibility of of that the boys wanting to come and chat to me, asking me loads of questions and me being able to help them and encourage them and, and hopefully make them better. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Laurie, I know, I mean, ahead of that season, I mean, it, there was a real down feeling when Hearts were popped down to the championship. What do you remember about the start of that season? I mean, obviously the first league game of the season was at Ibrox and, and Hearts were successful. I think what Hearts benefited from in many ways was having the, the kind of time to plan and having a feeling of, I guess, the club rising again from the ashes, so to speak. I think the feeling at Rangers and Hibs was very different. Hibs obviously got relegated very late um, so their planning for the next season was obviously not the same for Hearts. They had to make a big managerial change as well. But I think because Hearts knew the writing was on the wall in terms of where they were going to end up pretty close, um, you know, with with a fair bit of time to spare, I think it allowed them to plan quite a bit and re re really rebuilt the team. So it was a lot of positivity, whereas at Hibs, they were on a bit of a downer. Rangers were still a bit of a basket case at that point. It was a lot of problems over at Rangers. So I think Hearts had the benefit that everyone had a lot of positive feelings about what was happening. I think the recruitment was done really early, um, which I think helped, which allowed Robbie to gel the team together. I think that showed in how they started the season. It felt like much more of a unit. And Neil probably played his part in that, being kind of senior player. Um, it's interesting, Neil, it's a lot of similarities to the last couple of seasons with Hearts as well, with Craig coming back. Obviously, you know, you were going from an English Premier League club, albeit you know you weren't playing regularly there, but to come go from the English Premier League to Scottish Championship is quite a, a jump down. And, and the same goes for Craig, I suppose, leaving Celtic. And if you look at it on paper, Celtic going to a championship club, yeah. it's a strange move. But I suppose was part of that, the draw of hearts. Obviously, Craig had been with hearts before. You'd not been with hearts before, but obviously as a boy, they're the team that you followed, weren't they? Yeah, well, that, that was one of the biggest attractions, obviously, going to one of my boyhood clubs to play at Hearts um, to help them get back to where they belong. But I, I will say before that, going back, where I never in a million years thought Jamie McDonald would have been let go. Jamie McDonald no. was phenomenal for Hearts. He was player of the year, season after season. And I was more surprised than anyone when I got the phone call. Um, I didn't see that coming at all. But... Um, you know, as, as bad as I felt for Jamie, and I did, I was delighted to get the opportunity to come to such a, a fantastic club. Loved playing at Tyne Castle. And, and the chance to wear um, 
the Hearts jersey. You know, as as I said, I was a boyhood fan. John Robertson was my hero. I had all, I had more outfield strips growing up than I did the goalie strips. Um, did so, you fancy yourself yeah, as an outfield player? Pardon me, sorry. Did you fancy yourself as an outfield player at any oh, point? Absolutely. <laughs> in my head, I was the best striker in the world. Um, That's what Craig Gordon said as well. <laughs> yeah, listen, even in training, you know, when we're maybe doing cross and finishing, just with the goalies or a bit of shooting, helping out. You know, we all think we're we're absolutely amazing. We're not really when it comes to it, but um, we're better sticking sticking to the goalkeeping. But um, yeah, it was it was fantastic the opportunity to play for Hearts, um, fantastic club, um, and just to be part of the history in terms of getting them back to the Premiership, and then obviously the season after we managed to back in the Premiership. I think we won our first five games. We're top of the league. Um, we finished in Europe. As well, so for me, my unfortunately it was only two years at Hearts, but my two years at Hearts were extremely successful for me personally and for the club. So I was absolutely delighted to be able to play a part in that. You you had an eventful uh, debut at Ibrox, didn't you? Uh, that never really went to plan, did it? I know what were the chances? My my debut at Ibrox against Rangers, first game, and there's me get stretched off after I don't know seventy odd minutes, uh, broken cheekbone, broken nose, broken eye socket. Um, yeah, but end of the day, we won the game, so it was worthwhile. And to be fair, I only missed maybe three or four games, so I was back quite. Robbie was keep getting back quite quickly. He was trying to get me a mask and everything to play, but I managed to recover quite quickly, and I was back fairly soon. So um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, you played at Hearts for two years, but I mean, two eventful years, Neil. I mean, you had the, you know, the trips around the championship. Which was, I think, for a lot of Hearts fans, it was something different. So actually, the Hearts support stayed pretty loyal in in the away sense as well. So wherever you travelled in in the Championship, there, there was always a, a great following for Hearts following you. Absolutely, Hearts the away fans were magnificent that season, and the home fans as well. We were nearly selling out. There was times where Tynecastle was a sellout. I'm, I'm remember towards the end of the season. Um, they were magnificent and obviously Tynecastle is a fantastic stadium so it was great to play there week in, week out um, training grounds, state of the art you know, everything on your doorstep at, at Rickett and Herrick Watts so, you know, there's there's a huge appeal to Hearts and obviously being a, a, a boyhood fan growing up to get to put that jersey on um, was, was a very proud couple of seasons for me I just wish sure. it would be longer I got a couple of questions actually from some people James Christie had a question about that season. He said, how did you feel about getting the sponsors man of the match during the 10-0 Cowdenbeath game? And did you hear the announcement over the Tannoy? I did hear the announcement because I celebrated. Um, <laughs> I know, obviously, I know it was tongue-in-cheek and it was funny because I only touched the ball about five times the whole game. And when they announced the... Um, me as man of the match, I just I just gave it all that. I we clapped to the fans and all that because it was, it was so tongue in cheek. It was quite it was quite a bit. It was quite a wee bit of a slap in the face to Cowden Beath, and and I did felt sorry for uh, Robbie Thompson, the Cowden Beath goalkeeper that day because um, no no one likes to see that, especially a, a fellow goalkeeper, a more experienced goalkeeper to a younger goalkeeper. And I did have a wee word with him coming off the pitch, uh, just to console him a little. Um, no one likes to see that, but again, that that was part of history. You know, I was part of that ten 0 that win, so I see that's another um, one for the record books, and it was a phenomenal season. That that season, we absolutely battered teams. You know, we won the league by a country mile with the Rangers and Hibs in it, and um, you know it was a joy to be in that team full of young, hungry, 
um, very talented players. Yeah, Will Stevenson um, asked, uh, can you ask Neil the thought process from the point a penalty is awarded to after it is scored, saved, missed? Well, I mean, a lot goes through your head. You're instantly thinking who's taking it. And then you're going back to your research, looking at your analysis, which way they go. Um, then you look to where they stand, the run-up. So just little things. And you've also got to go with your instinct. It might give you the eyes. It might just do something that just gives you that little thought process of, I think he's going to switch it or he's going to slew it across me or open his body up and just side foot it. Or it might just blast it down the middle. There's so many things go through your head. And listen, to be honest, a lot of it's luck. We do our research, we do our homework to give ourselves the best possible chance. But end of the day, a striker shouldn't miss a penalty. 12 yards out, free shot. Um, but I don't know if I saved any for Hearts. I'm just trying to think. I'm not sure if I did. Well, while you think about that, I just love that as a goalkeeper. That is that is classic putting all the pressure on the, the penalty taker, isn't it? No penalty taker should miss that. that it, it, I get what you're saying, but it's it's great psychology on the on on the player. Did, has anybody did anybody ever try a Panenka penalty against you? Um, I would imagine so, probably not. Not that I can remember off the top of my head, but I'd imagine someone done it. Yeah, see, I, I think goalkeepers show great restraint if they've dived one way and some cheeky buggers than a Panenka. Oh, he hates it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you'd, rat, you'd you'd probably rattle the guy the next chance you got. Yeah, you can't win as a goalkeeper. You can't win, as I said. The striker's expected to score. If you stand up and he puts it to the side and he don't dive, the whole fans and the manager saying, "Well, why didn't you dive?" If you dive and he puts it down the middle, well, why didn't you stand? If you go to your right, why didn't you go to your left? On it, you cannot win unless you save it. So, as I said, all the fortune is with a the striker. They shouldn't miss. Um, we do as much as we can to try and get a, a gauge of where the striker might go. Uh, but end of the day, again, it's luck. Luck that you go the right way, he puts it that way, it's a nice height, and you get a good save. Um, it is an art, and it's something we work on and we do a lot of research on. Um, and, and listen, going into any penalty, you're the underdog. You know, there's no pressure because no one really expects you to save it. And I've always said when I go into penalty shootout competitions, if I can save one, I'm absolutely delighted. If we score a five, we should win. Um, but again, you're not expected to save any. So it's the, all the pressure's on the striker, and that's how it should be. I'm just looking through stats, and I, th according to the internet, there might have been one save of a penalty. Um, what's this? St. Johnston? Sorry, I'm, I'm looking yeah. as I'm talking. St. Johnston at McDermott Park. I think the game was 0 0 or 1 1. It was 0 0. One yeah, man got sent it was, off. It was terrible. The pitch was terrible. And I think it was Stephen, Stephen McLean. I'm not sure if it was Stephen McLean or someone. Yep, it was. Uh, yes. If this is accurate, then it was Stephen McLean, future yeah. heart striker. Yeah, my save it in the second half. Funnily enough, I didn't have a good game that day. I had a pretty terrible <laughs> first half, but um, managed to make it up in the second half with a penalty save and keep a clean sheet. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough that that set our first season, my second season, the first season of the Premiership. I think I'm quite proud to announce I think I got the most clean sheets of everybody. I got 17 clean sheets that year. Oh, that's good. you know what? 
I'm actually looking at all of the, the results. It's, it's on my screen. And the one thing that is, and you beat me to it, that is jumping out at me is the sheer number of nils. Yeah. You know, St. Johnson 0-0, you know, 6-0 against Motherwell, 3-0, 1-0 against Kilmarnock, 2-0 Cali Thistle, 1-0 Party. There's just so many uh, clean sheets that jumps out. So th that leads me to ask, ask the next question. You, you talked about you, you didn't play well at McDermott Park that day. How do you evaluate your performance? Is it simply I didn't concede? Is that is that the be-all and end-all? Or, as I know, because I've spoken to some goalkeepers, they can lose four goals in a game, but they've been brilliant. What's your measure? My measure is my personal standards. You know, I've set my standards very early on in my career. I know what I'm capable of. I know how good I can be. Um, and listen, it's not always going to go to plan, but you try and maintain them standards throughout the season. Um, and it was more toward my kicking. I was struggling with my kicking in the first half and I just wasn't happy. And um, it can be as little a minority thing as that. My handling might be fine. My Everything else might be fine, but I've maybe done three or four bad kicks and then I'll just be a kick in myself and I'll be really annoyed with myself because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I, I need everything to be perfect for me to go off, leave the game. So it didn't really matter. I had a clean sheet. Obviously, it was a bonus that I saved the penalty and we managed to get a point from a game that maybe we could have lost. Um, but for me, probably walking off the pitch... Yeah, delighted to get a point, delighted with the penalty save, but um, yeah, I look for perfection in my own game and probably was disappointed that night with, with myself because I probably know I can do better. And again, I was there to set an example to the young boys. You know, young Jack Hamilton, who was sitting in the stand, young goalkeeper, or the young boys who played in front of me, I'm there to set an example in terms of standards, training standards, match standards, being in the gym, recovery, doing all that. And that's one of, one of the the jobs that Robbie wanted me there for. I was, I was a big influence in that dressing room. And, you know, just little things. If I do just something poor, if I can see a poor goal, you know, I feel very responsible and I feel like I've let my the, the young boys down. So, but as, as I said before, I did enjoy that responsibility. I, I kind of thrived on it and it kind of brought me up to a, another level, which I maybe didn't think I had. Made me play better, made me concentrate a bit more. So I think that, and as I say, we got a lot of clean sheets that year. And, and again, my two years at Hearts were personally two of my best years. You know, I managed to make a few saves, got lots of clean sheets, played very well consistently. Um, you know, I had a really, really fond memories of my time at Hearts. Tri and, and trivia Grant, question for you. I've got a wee trivia question. I'm just looking. Um, another player, another striker who would play for Hearts um, was your final penalty save, not when you were at Hearts, though. Do you remember who that was? According to this, anyway, your the final save of of your career in terms of penalties, in terms of it'll be in a game rather than a shootout. Anyway, I think Connor Salmon. Yes, if this is accurate, May twenty eighteen. My last ever professional game before I retired, saved a penalty, clean sheet, won the playoffs, um, man of the match, and then I retired. So that was not a bad. <laughs> Went out on a high. I know when you were at Livy. Yeah. Thanks to Connor Salmon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll pass that on for you. Grant, some, some players, you know, come to Hearts for a year or two and don't make an impact. I mean, it, I think it's fair to say Neil made a really big impact, not only with the club, but also with the fan base. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, you know, talking on behalf of fans, 
I think we can only, you know, remember Neil as a Hearts player very, very fondly. Made a lot of important saves, and he's had a huge influence on the dressing room. And just uh, probably just steadied the ship, as you know, as Neil's alluded to. There was a lot of young guys in there that probably needed that sort of. Don't want to make you too old, Neil, but you know that sort of father figure, arm round somebody when it's no going right. Because there's, you, you'll know. And the thing I think we, we you know, Laurie, myself, and Paulo, you read about is. I think a lot of people who come into Hearts don't realise how big a club it is and, and how much pressure is on to succeed. And I don't think it's till they're in there and that you know they, they're in the mix of things that they, they go, oh, actually, this is much better than I think. And it, and it must be it must have been good for you to try and sort of bring that you know bring people out of their shell and and just say you know however you did it, however you managed it, you obviously done it well to get these guys to perform to that that level every week. And as you said, especially with Hibs and Rangers, uh, you know, in that league as well, it was a, it was a huge achievement. It was. And obviously, you, you don't realise, obviously, again, until you're in the building, how big the club is, the demands, the expect expectation from the fans. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. It's a huge club. We were nearly selling out Tynecastle every home game, a huge away support. And listen, they would let you know if you weren't if you weren't doing well. So you know there was an expectancy there, but we thrived on it. You know we 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 started the season very very well, and we just built and gained confidence game after game. You know, especially the first season, won the league by a canter, and that gave us the belief. You know that we could we could go and hold on in the big league. We could express ourselves, and we could do a statement. And I remember one of the first days of preseason, the year we got up to the Premiership. Robbie had a meeting. There was no Rangers in the league, no Hibs. And uh, we had a meeting and Robbie had just sort of asked around the group, where do you think we can go this year? And a lot of them said, oh, top six would be great. Um, just, just survive. Some of the younger boys said, just survive. And some of them said top four. And Robbie was like, I think we can win it. He honestly believed that we had a good enough squad to challenge Celtic. And that belief grew in the squad. And that was because of the manager and the coaching staff, and as myself talking to the players, giving them the confidence, that self-assurance. And I say, we started off the season on five. We were five wins out of five, top of the league, absolutely flying. I think we went to Parkhead in our sixth game and drew 0-0, still top of the league. It was only when we went to Hamilton away that we had our first defeat and we should never have got beat there. Callum Patterson got sent off and we conceded a goal in the last minute. And, you know, we were so... Determined, we had so much belief that we actually could go in and win the league and challenge Celtic. And obviously, we, we faded away at the end. I think Aberdeen overtook us. But to finish third and qualify for Europe after being in the championship with a young squad was a phenomenal achievement. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm still sore about that Aki's game. I actually thought Darian McKinnon was the aggressor on Patterson that game. I think that was Willie Collum getting um, drawn in by the fan and player reactions. Still not got over that one. We were coasting to that win. We were getting a win there until that happened. Yeah. Well, Laurie, we're going to have to have an intervention about this. That's been six years, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but, but that, that, I guess, is just typical, typical of fans. You know, we, we remember certain things that stick out. And I'm, I'm delighted, Neil, that you remember your time at Tynecastle with great fondness. And, of course, you get a chance to go back there later in the season, you know, in the opposition dugout. And that's one of the joys about the game. You get to go back to to previous clubs, you know, speak to people. But at the end of the day, you're, you'll be wearing a badge of a different t- coaching staff and you'll be looking to plot the demise of Hearts a little bit later on. 
I, I am I am looking forward to going back to Tyne Castle. Um, obviously, fortunate enough, I think we were one of the first teams that were there when the new stand was built. I think it was uh, early on in the pre-season with Dundee United. Um, and the, the new dugouts, we were the first team to go in the new dressing rooms, and which are phenomenal, by the way. The, the main stand's you know, second to none, and it really needed that to upgrade the stadium. And now it's one of the best stadiums in, in Scotland. It's phenomenal. So, um, you know, the, cl- the club's just getting bigger and bigger. You know, they're, they're challenging every year in Europe. It's great. It is great to see Robbie has done a fantastic job and um, they've recruited really well again this year. So they're going to be up there challenging Rangers and Celtic. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to going back. I always like to go back, especially to to my old clubs. I love going back to Ibrox and um, Tyne Castle as well and seeing some old friendly faces and catching up. Neil, I've just, you, you touched on recruitment there, you know, and... and We've just recruited a, a very well-known goalkeeper. What? What? Can, can you can you give your thoughts on that with with Xander Clark? That, that that must be it's quite a coup for Hearts, I would have thought. And uh, you know, is it a, a succession you would see as Craig uh, eventually uh, hangs up his gloves? I'm not saying he's going to anytime soon, but that that must be what it is, surely. Well, I mean, first of all, Craig's done phenomenally well. You know, he's been absolutely outstanding at his age. Um, you know, fair play from keeps himself in great shape. Scotland's number one, and, and he's been phenomenal for Hearts. Um, Xander's a great signing because Xander has a lot of experience, a lot of first team games under his belt at the Premiership level. I think that signing was made. Obviously, they're going to have a lot more games in Europe, and I think they just need a bit more experience in cover. Um, obviously, Craig's had a, a bit of a back issue, I believe. He obviously missed the game at Parkhead. Um, and although Ross Stewart is, you know, very, very capable of coming in and doing well, I think Xander just brings you that little bit more security. Um, you know what you're getting with Xander, loads of experience, makes big saves, he's a big presence. And I think, um, you know, once he gets himself match fit, he'll be a very good sign and a very good backup. It just gives Robbie that bit of reassurance if anything happens to Craig going forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Neil, we really do appreciate your time. That's the full-time whistle. It's time to pop back all those kits back in the drawer and we'll ready ourselves for another kit adventure next month. We'd love your feedback. Anything you'd like to suggest for us to cover, just drop us a line on social media. A big special thanks to Neil for joining us. My thanks too to Grant and to Laurie and to you for listening. And remember, as often said around Tynecastle Way, blood doesn't show on a maroon jersey. From all the team, bye for now. This episode of Shirts Around the Funnel has been brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald's Signs, offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s.